You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. You know, we're going through a series called All and Nothing. We've been doing this for the past uh, five weeks. How many of you have been uh, in tune with our series called All and Nothing? Come on, I just want to see those hands. Just to give you a short uh, short summary about uh, what we're going through, All and Nothing is a series about the book of Colossians. And if you remember it right, when we started out our first week, we've discussed the background of our church in Colossae. Basically, this church was being bombarded with a lot of ideas, a lot of teachings about, you know, about God, about uh, angel worship. And there's so many things that were going on in this church that the Apostle Paul had to write this letter to the church of Colossae, basically to, you know, put the right foundation and, you know, put the real, uh, true blue gospel message. And this is what happened. We have Colossians now, okay? Because of the many, many false teachings that have been happening in the past, Paul says, no, we got to learn the real gospel and about Jesus Christ. In fact, even today, as we speak, we, we have been, we are actually bombarded with a lot of, uh, a lot of ideas. If you're in the internet every single time, even now, if you're looking at your cell phone, sabi ni Pastor Jerry, you are holy. Right? Holy ka. But anyway, uh, if you are actually looking at uh, the whole internet, there's so many things that you will really gather. And we need to be careful. And that's why the Apostle Paul said, we need real, honest-to-goodness gospel doctrine. And that's what Colossians is all about. When you look at this book, you'll really discover that Paul was really addressing so many things about the, you know, about the gospel. And in week one, we've actually talked about this. Basically, what Paul did was really offered prayer for this church. He prayed that, uh, that the Colossian church will have a full understanding or spiritual understanding of what the gospel is all about. He prayed also for fruitfulness. He also prayed for being faithful in their walk with Christ. And that's in week one. Second week, we've also discussed about the supremacy of Christ, meaning He is preeminent. He is over all things. You all know we've discussed this in weeks two, right? And week three, we've also talked about the fullness in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. Christ. In other words, He is complete. He has full authority to forgive sins, to put to death sin, to cancel our debt. You all remember this? And he also had the authority to disarm the power of the enemy. So no, nothing, nothing that we can really add to his work can suffice. But God or Jesus Christ himself did it. It's finished. Week four, we also discuss about our position in Christ. It's very important for us to know your position in Christ. If not, you know, you'll be, you'll be looking for your identity somewhere. Okay. As Christians, we have been raised with Christ. We have died with Christ. Remember that? And we have been hidden in Christ so that we will also appear with Him in Christ as well. So what do we need to do? We need to look at eternal things, right? We don't set our minds on things below, but things above. That's what we've discussed in week four. Last week, Pastor JR talked about how it is to live in Christ. And we need really the divine empowerment of God to help us live in Christ. Because left to ourselves, with you know, it's going to be hard for us to live in Christ without the divine empowerment, the grace of God. So we put our old self, you all remember this? The old thinking and really get the new thinking 
the Spirit of God, this new spiritual nature with us. And this, this Sunday, we will be discussing about relationships for Christ. Amen. Are you ready for this? So I hope you got that five weeks. That was over a month, bro. So this is going to be hard. Sixth week, relationships for Christ. I want you to stand up and um, turn to turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 to 25, and chapter 4, verse 1. You can all read it together if you don't have your Bible with you. But let me read it. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 to 25, it says, Their wives... Submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Verse 25, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. And then Colossians chapter 4, verse 1, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you will open our hearts, our minds, Lord God. May we understand, reveal to us your plan about relationships and how it is to live in Christ. So thank you, Lord God, for this wonderful night. Bless the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last Friday... Last Friday marked our 21 years of marriage, okay? That we've been, uh, yeah, you can, yes, amen. And, you know, we, it's, it's, uh, September 9th basically was our civil wedding, okay? But a few months down the road, we, we had a church wedding December 29th. And normally we'd celebrate December 29th because it's a church wedding. We wanted it to be really, and besides, it's December 29, you have holidays, diba? So, mas maganda mag-celebrate December 29. But we found out that in reality, or legally, uh, our certificate of marriage really was pegged on September 9. So, I said, uh, actually, this is the real deal. So, September 9, we celebrated 21 years of being married. So, I didn't have any, you know, idea of celebrating it we we're not celebrating it but i kind of wanted to make it special you know just siempre how many how many husbands would like to make it special for your wife you want to make it special right so believe me that that day september 9 that was a uh, was that a friday so we were out we were looking i was looking for something special so we went to bgc after our um we had our what you call that? Pastor's team building. All right. We had a pastor's team building last Friday, and I had a chance to be in BGC, and I went around looking at these new stores, and I couldn't find something really appropriate for a gift for her. So I said, no, I'm going to have to find it somewhere else. So we went back here to Festival Mall, and it took me one hour. Okay, if you're a guy, you only need one hour to look at things, okay? So you go around, went around, and you know, and... To my frustration, grabe, wala talaga akong nakuha. No special gift. So what do you do? 
on your anniversary and you go to your wife and you have no special gift. But what do you do? You just say, Mahal, I'm sorry. But I tried my best to look for something special and it did not happen. So, I bargained with her. She's here right now. Okay, I bargained her. Mahal, maybe a special date will be okay. Diba? Kung di kaya ng gift, diba? at least special date. So we did, right? Kaso, nakalimutan ko nga that same day, we have a surprise birthday party to attend to with the kids. So I said, maybe mahal after, after the birthday party, we could have something special going on, right? So we attended the birthday party. We were there. We celebrated with the kids. And I said, kids, here's the car key. Go home and uh, I'm going to have a date with your mom. But they were lingering. They were lingering over the car park. So finally, I was looking at them. So I really pondered and I just asked myself, Lord, what is really so special about this 21 years? What is, what, what can you find in this 21 years? Okay. What does 21 years of marriage with my wife look like? So I was looking at my son, my two of my daughters, and finally, it dawned on me that this is 21 years of marriage. There. It's about family. It's about having this family. And God really spoke to me clearly that, you know, your special gift, it's this one. 21 years. So I posted this on Facebook. If you are following my, you know, you'll find this in Facebook. I said, this is what 21 years would look like. Having a happy family. And this is really special for both of us. So guess what? No date. No husband and wife date. Nagkaroon ng group date. A family date. So we watched... Pete's Dragon. <laughs> we end up watching Pete's Dragon. Now, if you would look at the comments on Facebook, you'll find there a uh, beautiful couple. Nah, a uh, special family. Or beautiful family. Pastor Ariel Marquez, you know, made a comment, says, uh, the lovebirds. Wow. Diba? Ganda, no? Actually, when you go to Facebook, diba? everything that you will see in Facebook, it's so nice. Like if you see the picture of family, oh, cute, beautiful, everything looks nice, right? But if you look at the 21 years of our lives, it wasn't really that good. It wasn't really that perfect. How many of you know that? 21 years, after 21 years, it's so nice to see us together, the family and all. But going back 21, one, 21 years, especially si Lolo and si Lola is here. So if you look back in all the years, it wasn't all that pleasant. It wasn't all that perfect. There were ups and downs. How many of you can relate to this, right? It's not always party time or happy time. But there were also, you know, challenging, sad times. And there were also what we call those, um, you know, nakakahiyang sabihin moments. You know, you're really embarrassed to admit that in all those years, Pastor Saul was not Pastor Saul. 21 years ago, if you saw me, probably you would not recognize me. Yan, yung yabang na yan, yung mainit ang ulo na yan, basta gulero, 
you know, you name it. I was, that was like 21 years ago. But by the grace of God, everybody say grace of God. But by the grace of God, if not for Jesus living, if not Jesus' word living inside of us, if not for the church, if not for God's grace, our 21 years will not be 21 years. I say that in all humility, it's not what it is. 21 years, you'll, you'll find out that, you know, the record of wrongs are, mas maraming wrongs kesa sa rights. <laughs> uh, I remember a time where, where I left my wife hanging in a show in a concert. I totally left her because I was mad and angry. Again, by the grace of God. Now, why am I saying this? Because, because if not for Jesus in our lives, we would have not survived those 21 years. And I don't want to think about, the, about it as surviving, but really thriving with Jesus Christ. You see, you can have everything in life, but without a life with Jesus, you have absolutely nothing. There's nothing. I say this as a testimony to you. I can have everything in my whole life, but without Jesus, this marriage would be nothing. Conversely, if you only have Jesus in your life and nothing else, you have everything. That's crazy, right? But it's true. That's why when you look at our series, All in Nothing, Christ above all and nothing can really take His place. That's an amazing thing. When the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Colossian church, there were no, uh, there were no churches in malls, okay? Uh, meeting in the mall here, it, it was not possible, okay? They didn't have a church in Akasha Hotel, in the cinema. There were no meeting places like that. It was all house churches during the time of Paul. And I think it was really a perfect setup to put into practice what, what Paul was saying about Jesus, about the doctrine, about having to put off your old self and put Christ in you. And this is the perfect practical application because it was happening in the household. It was happening in the house where there is a husband and wife relationship going on. There's a parent and children uh, relationship going on. Also in the household, there was also a, a maid-servant-master relationship. And that's basically the whole story that we're going to you know, dig up today and understand how it is to live in Christ in those relationships. In fact, the evidence of a Christ-filled life can be found in our human relationships. Last week, we've talked about putting off you know, sexual immorality, lust. I mean, nobody knows if you're lusting. Nobody knows if you're imagining, you know, uh, those stuff and all of that. Nobody knows that. Right? I mean, of course, anger, it, it can be seen. But when you talk about relationships, this is exactly where you'll find out if you have a life in Christ. Amen. So let me ask you this question tonight. If Jesus were to enter your home or our home, or our workplace today, what would he find in our relationship? If we are saying, if, 
you know, I am a believer of Christ. If you're saying today that, you know, I have been truly transformed by the gospel of Christ, praise God, hallelujah, then will it be seen in those relationships? And tonight I'm going to give you two kinds of relationships that is very important for us to see because this is ultimately the proof and evidence that you and I are living in Christ. The first one is family. Everybody say family. You know, they say that the family is the fabric of any society, right? You destroy the family, you can destroy the whole nation. Do you realize that? If you destroy the family which Satan, the enemy, has been doing for ages till this day, it will destroy everything that God created. And without family, there is no community. There is no church. There is no nation. There's nothing. It's going to be chaos. But it starts with the husband and the wife. Do you agree? It starts with the husband and the wife. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 to 19, what we have read in our scripture, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. You know, Christ is seen when there is a harmonious um, relationship between the husband and the wife. Actually, you could really tell, right? Okay, but it doesn't mean that you don't fight, okay? It, it, it still happens, okay? Nobody is perfect. Turn to your neighbor and say, nobody's perfect. Only God is, okay? But I know, how many wives do we have here tonight? Guess what I see? It's just wondering how many wives. All right, I know probably you're asking, okay? Or if you're single, you're not yet a wife, or you'll be a wife someday, you're probably asking, Pastor, what does it really mean to submit to your husband? And we've heard that. And in fact, it's one of the, you know, one of the things that we, we love carrying as husbands and then telling our wives, Mahal, you submit to me. But what is it? What does it really mean to be submissive? Does this mean that you will, you know, give up your right and they say, you know, all right, all right, husband, dominate me. It's not about that, okay? Or does it really mean that because I'm submitting to my husband, I'm inferior? Is that, is that the meaning? And the answer really is no. When you submit, it means to arrange under rank, okay? You are under rank. Actually, it's a military word, okay? So, to arrange under rank or to come up under. Alright? It's a military word. Kind of like this. A sergeant is not inferior, okay, to a captain. Both equal, okay? They've been trained the same way. They, you know, they're okay. But here it is. To have order in the military, authority must be established. If not, it's gonna be chaotic. Alright? So the sergeant says, no, you're not going to be boss. I'll be boss. Uh, and then, and then, you know, the captain will say, no, because I'm captain, I ought to be boss. You know, so it's going to be chaotic. It's kind of like, you know, if you don't adhere or submit to the authority of the Philippine government, but all I'm saying is that it does not mean that you are inferior. So if you're a wife, the Bible doesn't say that you are inferior. No, you're not. In fact, you are equally uh, blessed by God. Amen. Alright? 
But the only thing is, the whole point of, of a wife submitting to the husband is about order. Everybody say order. You see, God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. Okay? He wants order. When you look at marriage, when you look at marriage, you look at also the Holy Trinity. It's, it's, it, it actually reflects who God is. We all know that we have only one God, right? In three persons, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But yet, in, in this, in this unity, there's no chaos. There was always order. And, in fact, um, in the next scripture, I'm gonna show you in 1 Corinthians 11.3, Paul says, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, right? The head of a wife is her husband. So the wife is not the head, alright? There's something wrong when the wife becomes the head. Right, but it is the husband who is the head, and the head of Christ is who? God. God the Father. You see, even Jesus understood order. He is the supreme God. He is preeminent, right? We know that um, He created everything. Everything was made by Him, through Him, and you know that He is the Lord of all, right? But guess what? Jesus submitted to the Father. It's quite you know, it, it does not compute, right? If you're talking about Lord, Master, Savior, you know, and then suddenly here comes Jesus. He goes, he submits to the Father. Why do we know this? It's all written in the, in, in the New Testament. Jesus always would submit to the Father's will. He did what the Father asked him to do, right? In fact, if you remember when he was about to be crucified, he said, he said that the Father was praying, you know, uh, Father, if only you could take this cup away from me, but not my will. And then he goes to submitting, but your will be done. You see, if you have Christ living in you as a wife, you'll understand that even Jesus submitted to authority. Even Jesus actually here on earth submitted to the government. He could have said, you know, you have no right. I am Lord and Master. You know, Pontius Pilate, you have no authority over me. No. But he understood the order of things. Because if you go against the order, something happens. Do you realize that many mishaps in our relationships, in the family, in the home, it's because they don't understand God's order of things. But if you have Jesus living inside of you today, if you are a wife, guess what? You need to understand that submission is what is right. So the question is, why submit? Well, simply stated in verse 18, you submit to your husbands because why? Because it is fitting to the Lord. Fitting means appropriate. It's suitable. It, it fits. It's proper. Right? It's due or the word is the right thing to do. Jesus did the right thing. Not His will, but always the Father's will. Right? Now, we may not agree much with our husband, especially if, you know, women, you know, right, wives are smarter than your husbands, but there is something important about submitting to your husband, okay? And I tell you, I've, I have my, I had experienced that personally 
in our marriage. And I don't want to make it an open book, but for the sake of the gospel, okay, uh, I'll be open for you. Okay lang? Uh, Alright. So, if you knew me way back then, um, I get easily frustrated. I have a hot head, really hot head. The temper is not good. Okay? But, you know, every time I would say something, my wife would always hear me out. And sometimes I get so frustrated because I don't know if she really understood me or she's just trying to be nice to me. But every time I make decisions, kahit na mali-maling decision, she'll just submit to it. And she'll say, okay, mahal, just, let's, let's go. There were countless decisions I've made in the past, really, really bad decisions, but yet she supported me. And I, I said to myself, Lord, what, what is wrong with her? <laughs> I didn't know why, because I didn't have that relationship with, with Jesus Christ yet. And you know what? This scripture suddenly opened my eyes about her. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 to 2, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, like me, okay, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. And I want to honor her today because, not because it's our 21st anniversary, but I would like to honor her because she's exactly this woman who have always been submissive, who has never questioned my authority, even if I bungled many times, even if I failed many times. But the reality was she won my heart over to God. And that's probably why I am a pastor right now. It's because of her conduct and the way she had submitted to that. So, I love you, Mahal. <laughs> Alright. So, but that's only the first part of the story. Alright. Um, going back, okay, going back to our preaching. Well, if there's a wife submitting to the, hu- to the husband, guess what? Husbands! How many husbands do we have? Just the three of us? And the rest of you are single? Are you sure? Wow. Alright, you'll be husband someday, so you better listen. Okay? It says your husbands, in verse 19, can you read it aloud with me? Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. You know, when Paul, when Paul wrote this, okay, it was a different story. Okay, now, now it's okay. Um, husbands and wives, you know, we have high respect for women, right? But during those times, the Jewish and the Hebrew culture, wives were like possessions. They were like things. You know, they don't, they don't have any right at all. So when, when Paul was saying, if you have been, uh, if you have been transformed by the gospel of Christ, then it ought to show in the way you would love your wife. That's what he was saying. He was, you know, husbands, love your wives. In fact, it was, it was um, a surprise to the culture of Israel during those times. It was so radical, God has something to do with it. 
that changed the perspective of every member in that church. See, husbands, love your wives. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it's not that ordinary kind of love. In fact, the parallel um, letter, uh, Ephesians, Paul also wrote, Husbands, love your wives as what? Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay? In other words, if you are a husband, and you will be a husband to some of you who are single men. How many single men do we have here? Grabe ah. Ano iba? Hindi married, hindi, you know. Alright, alright. You better see me after this, okay? I'm just kidding. But, you know, when you love a wife, when you love your wife, it has to be that kind of love that Jesus did for all of us. Bible is clear. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Some version says, uh, Christ loved the church and died for her. Okay, so how many husbands are willing to die for your wife? No, but come on! Brother, I know you, bro. I think I, come on! That's it. That's the, that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, the gospel has changed that man. But anyway, going back to our preaching. You see, it has to be unconditional. Jesus' love for us is unconditional. Realize this, that Jesus, while we were still sinners, while we were still sinning against Him, Christ died for us. I mean, that's the kind of love that He has for us. It was unconditional. didn't matter what sin that you have committed in the past, before as long as you come to Jesus and ask for forgiveness, He forgives. He doesn't look at your past mistakes. He doesn't look at your you know, your uh, horrible past, but what He gives you is His genuine love, unconditional, period. That's the kind of love that we receive from Jesus. And that's the kind of love that the Apostle Paul was saying. Hey, if, if you're a husband today, and if you're saying that you are born again, you have the gospel living inside of you, then this is how you ought to love your wife, unconditionally. See, He is to love her as Christ loved the church and be willing to die for her. If you're a wife today and you feel that your role submitting to your husband is unfair, guess what? You're still in the best place. Because you get to submit, okay? The wife gets to submit, but the husband, they have to die for you. <laughs> it's just, can you, can you think, think about that? You know, it reminds me of this, right? I mean, it reminds me of this story about, you, you all remember this, the, the, there was, Two friends, okay? Two animal friends, the chicken and the pig. Y'all know the story? Now, while they were walking, two friends, they saw this, um, basically, uh, a starving old man who was almost dying of hunger. And the chicken said, Hey, friend pig, look at the man. Why not help this man and give him food to eat? I know what we can do. We can give him ham and eggs. So the pig said, Yeah, okay, that's good. But wait a minute. For you, you just give eggs. For me, it's a total sacrifice. <laughs> and you think about that, you know, that's, that's how, you know, that's how we are men. Willing to die for your wife. It's a sacrificial kind of love. 
and it's hard. How many men would say amen? That is hard, right? But that's the kind of love that, that we ought to give our wives. That sacrificial love. Um, you give up so many things. Sometimes you give up your time. You give up your own uh, personal entertainment, you know, or sometimes you really have to give up time with your friends. Right? All the women say, Amen. Amen. Okay. Sometimes you even have to give up your career. Right? And that's all part of loving your wives unconditionally. You sacrifice. You die for them. You know, you all know that I went to Mongolia, right? I met, I met this Mongol, past, a pastor in Mongolia. His name is Pastor Ogi. I heard his testimony. I had lunch with him. And his wife was there. Basically, his wife had a challenge with her health. She had uh, a certain disease that I cannot understand because only Mongolians can understand their language. But all I knew that she was paralyzed from from uh, from uh, from top to, to 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 her feet. So she couldn't walk. She couldn't really do anything much. And this happened for several years. If I'm not mistaken, it's about five years. And for five years, um, our pastor, uh, Pastor Iyuna, who's our uh, senior pastor in EN Mongolia, or Every Nation Mongolia, she was telling the story of Pastor Ogi. And she was saying, you know, he would carry his wife for five years. He would carry his wife up the stairs because, you know, they lived in apartments. Some don't have elevators, only stairs. Pastor Ogi would carry his wife for five years. He would give her a bath, brush her teeth, wash her face, uh, feed her. But after five years, they were able to go to North Korea and had an operation. And, you know, she actually got well, but still, you know, a bit handicapped, but she could walk. And when we had lunch together, I, I saw Pastor Ogi just give her the, the burger, fed her. I seen while, while he was eating, he'll feed his wife. And then he'll give a, the, the drink. And then, He'd get the napkin and he'd wipe the face of his, of his wife. And I said to myself, wow. I mean, if, you, if I were in his position, would I still have the patience and understanding and the love that, you know, that he had for his wife? And, you know, the realities of life, it's not easy. But until you understand the love of God in your life, until God touches you and changes you from within, you probably won't be able to love the way Christ loved the church. And it takes really an, an open heart to say, God, you know, I want to I wanna love the way you love. And it's not easy. And the good news is this, you know, God is still at work in our lives. The, the one who began a good work in you, the Bible says, will bring it to completion. So God is still working in our hearts. So don't be condemned, okay? We're, we're, okay? we're still studying the Word, all right? Don't be condemned. But good news is that God is still at work. But unless we allow the love of God, the true love of God, to enter our lives and understand how it works, then we will not be able to give the way Jesus loved the church. So husbands and the husbands-to-be, all right? You know what I'm talking about? So when you get married, it ought to be total sacrifice. 
you're awfully quiet. <laughs> Men, it's total sacrifice. Lord, Lord, let them be, you know, okay lang. Right, just kidding. Anyway, but that's the whole truth. So we're talking about husbands and wives, family, relationship. Another relationship is what we call the parents and children relationship. So how, how can we see the evidence of a, of Christ living in us? We will see it in how parents would relate to their children and children would relate to their parents, right? Bible says, children, obey your parents in everything. For this, what? Pleases God. You know, if you are still living in, you know, in your, in the house with your parents, that's you. Alright? Uh, if you're living with your mom and dad, your father and your mother, in their household, and this message is for you. You need to obey your parents. When Paul wrote this, he was referring to children who were still under the care and authority of their moms and dads. Alright? But, if the child is a grown-up, gets married, goes out, you know, of her, of his or her parents' um, household, they are no longer under the same obligation of obedience, but the, ob- the obligation now is different. The obligation now is to honor your father and your mother, which is in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. It says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long. In the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You know, sometimes, you know, a lot of, a lot of people would really go look for, you know, how to extend their life. Okay. They, you know, buy all these herbal medications, try all the beauty treatments, try to look young, try to stretch, you know, their days. But the reality is, if you really want to live long, if you want to look young, you know, honor your father and your mother. That's a promise in the Bible. In fact, that's the reward that says, you know, if you, Honor your parents, guess what? You will live well, you will be blessed. And how many of you would like to be blessed? So say, say this with me. Honor your father and your mother. Come on. That's it. <laughs> now if you want, why obey? Simple, because it does please the Lord. Okay? This is the one of the most important reasons for a child's obedience. When a child would respect their father or their parents, guess what? When you do that, you are respecting God Himself. When we, when we honor our parents, we inevitably honor God. Greg Brown says that it should be noted that if a child does not obey his parents in everything and recognize their authority, then the child will not recognize other authorities. You know, if you're looking for proof, just look at Metro Manila. If you're driving in Metro Manila, how many obey traffic rules? How many? If obedience is not imparted in the house, in the home, in the children, guess what? They will not obey their teachers. They will not obey the authorities. They will not even obey BIR, the law. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? So, obedience is very important. However, as parents, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. The word father that was used here actually means parents. Okay? Uh, it does not only, you know, it's not only commanded to the father, although the father 
plays a very big role. Okay, how many dads do we have? Okay, we play a big role. Okay, in, in discipling our children, in teaching them the ways of the Lord. But as parents, our goal really is to help them, train them and raise them up so that one day they can hit their mark. The Bible says that they are like arrows. Train up a child. Okay? It's they're like arrows that needs to be aligned, to be straightened, because one day they will hit their mark. And when they do, you're behind the scene and you're cheering, That's my son. That's my daughter. Parang proud na proud tayo. But that's, that's our goal if you're a father and a mother. And the Bible says, do not exasperate your children. Do not embitter your children. Do not discourage them. And how do we discourage our children? Very simple. Number one, when we don't discipline them. Okay, if you love your child, you discipline them. Alright? Alright? Amen. We discourage them when we discipline them abusively. When we shout at them, when we're angry at them. You know, one thing I, I remember in one of our training, it says, you know, do not, um, do not give the rod to your child if you are angry. And you know what that means. Because if you're angry and you're beating your children, you're not just, you know, you could do something else. And you see, that's one way if we are abusive in our discipline with our children. Thirdly, when we neglect them. How many, how many have had that experience of being abandoned by your father or your mother? Or your father and your mother is there, but they don't really care. And we've heard so many stories about this. And I don't know if, you know, you're one of them. But the reality is, we can, as parents, discourage or embitter them. And that's not our role. Amen. We do not provoke our children. We're not to be harsh to them, demand or control them. We're not, we're, we ought to forgive them when they needed to be forgiven. So this is not a parenting seminar, but that's a reality. You know, sometimes our, our words can hurt them. You see, how many positive words have you received when you were growing up? They say that you only receive about uh, 4,000 positive words in your lifetime, but 88,000 negative words that were spoken to you in your lifetime. And that's how it is. As parents, we do not discourage them. Sometimes our nonverbal communication, right? Even if you're quiet, you're silent, you give them the cold treatment, what happens is that they, they get discouraged. You see, everything starts at home. Everybody say home. Zig Ziglar says, people who have good relationships at home are more effective in the marketplace. It all starts at home. Our family relationships will determine how we will relate to other people in school, in the workplace. And lastly, I want to talk about to you is the workplace. If we can really see the evidence of a life changed by Jesus Christ, if you are saying that I have the gospel living inside of me, then it ought to show in how you relate with people in the workplace. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 to 25 says, Bond servants, of course, we don't have bond servants now. They're called employees. Okay? Wala nang master and slave. How many employees do we have? Yeah, alright, that's us. Okay? Employees obey in everything. Those who are your earthly masters or your earthly employers, okay? 
not by way of eye service as people pleasers. Now, you need to understand that when you're, when you're working for your employer, I mean, work heartily. The Bible says, not by of eye service. Just because your boss is there, let's get busy. Let's get busy. Let us look busy. Diba? Not like that. Okay? Not as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, ever say, whatever you do, work heartily. Yep. As for the Lord and not for men. Why? Because knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You all know this. But for the wrongdoer, the Bible says, will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. And that's the truth. For the masters, if you are an employer, okay, you're not a master, you may be the boss, but, well, sort of like the master. But if you're an employer, you need to treat your employees justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now, two words come to mind. It's just and fair. As employers, as bosses, and if you will be a boss someday, you need this. You need to be just and fair. Uh, I heard that they're planning now to, um, this government is planning to have a unified uh, minimum wage all over the country. It's the same thing. To the employees, parang woohoo! That means I can have, uh, I can go to my hometown and still make the same income as here in Metro Manila. Now, is that fair? I think it's fair. Is it just? I think it's just. But if you are a Christian today, you are a Christian employer, okay? It's not what about the world thinks. It what, it is what about, uh, it is about what God thinks and how you relate to your employees. You got to be just and fair. The reason for this is this, because because God looks at everybody, every Christian, every man, woman, and child who belongs to Him equally. Why do I know this? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 11 says, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, in other words, but Christ is all and in all. We are all the same in Christ. In the eyes of God, He sees us equally. So if you are an employer, you need to see it from the eyes of God and say, they're my children too. That's the command that was given by Paul to the Colossian church. Treat them as I would have treated you. If you want to know how you can really relate to others, I mean, what's really the bottom line? Because it's easy to hear the message, right? To hear the command. But to do it is kind of hard, right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing that will actually destroy all the abilities and all those things that you wanted to do. Here's one thing that, that Paul advises. He says that, and above all these, he says, put on love. Everybody say love. Which binds everything together in perfect harmony. In other words, if you're looking for the motivation of the heart to do, to command you to wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, right? And then if you are a, ch- if you are a child, you want to obey your parents. And if you're a parent, you don't want to exasperate. In all of these things, the underlying or the motivation of the heart has to be love. It's quite simple, right? But hard to do.
Above all these, put on love. Meaning above all the virtues that, that Paul discussed, you know, having a compassionate heart, being kind, being humble, being meek and patient. Above all these virtues, he says, you need to get this. In fact, say that with me. I need to get this. I need to put on the love of Christ here. So how does Christ affect our relationships? It's quite simple. Jesus himself said, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Amen? If you have love for one another, and that's the proof and evidence that you have Christ living inside of you. And I want to end with this main point. Okay, just one point. Everybody say one point. It's very simple. It says, How we love others is a reflection of Christ's love in us. So tonight, as we, you know, as we look to our lives, you know, me, I look 21 years back. <laughs> and I have not yet arrived. I still, I still have my flaws, my failures. Um, if you visit my house and my home, uh, I also blow my top every now and then. It's not perfect, right? It's not perfect, but God is in the business of perfecting us. He is sanctifying us. And the good news is that the one who began, again, that good work in you will bring this into completion in our lives. Amen. That's why it's called a Christian journey. It's called our Christian walk. Amen. So if you're here tonight and you say, you know, Pastor, I'm not that loving yet. Can I just pray for you? Is that okay? Can you just bow down our heads and let me just pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, that we can love because you loved us first. And Lord, it's not easy to love others the way you love us. But Lord, let it be our pursuit in life that we may come to know the height, the depth, the how, how deep and wide is your love for us. Let it be our, our constant goal in life is to know this love that surpasses all, everything. To know this kind of love that is abundant, that's growing in all of us. And Father, I pray that each one of us tonight will experience that love. That each one of us, Lord God, will stop leaning in our own understanding. Stop in our, in our own abilities and ask God for your love to surpass everything. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If that's you, if you, if you saying, God, that's me. I want to, I want more of you in my life. Can you just lift it up before God? In fact, I want you to stand right now. Hallelujah. If that's you, say, asking God, God, I want more of your love. Let me understand that kind of love. That, I, th I think that's all of us. Amen. Let's just lift it up before God. Father, we're asking, would you continually reveal your love for us? And Lord, thank you, God, that as we come before you in your throne, Lord God, that you will indeed show us, Lord God, how to love the way you love. So Lord, I pray, Lord, whatever is not supposed to be in our hearts today, Lord, we surrender it to you. Amen. Why don't I just lift it up before God and say, I surrender everything to you, Lord God. All my faults, my failures, my un unloveness. Praise God. And I want to I wanna take this opportunity. If you, if you are here and you're 
you know, God is really speaking to you today about, you know, surrendering to Him. And I, I believe that this is the day that the Lord has made for you. The best time really to surrender to God is when, you know, say, God, I'm, I surrender. I, I'm not going to do this on my own strength anymore. And if you want to know this love, the love of Christ, and if you're ready for this love, I want you to lift up your hands. Say, Pastor, I want to receive that kind of love. Yes, I want to see those hands. Anybody else? Yes, I want to see those. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Praise God. Praise God. If you're lifting up your hands, and if you want to receive Jesus, the love of Christ in you, making Him Lord and Savior over your life, I want you to come forward here. I want to pray for you. If you're lifting up your hands, okay, just run through, run up here if you're lifting up your hand. Is it okay? If it's too crowded, okay, just lift it up beforehand. All right. Let's, let me just pray. Amen. If you're lifting up your hand, can we just agree with them in prayer? Is that okay? All right. If you're lifting up your hand and saying, God, I need you. I want to know this love. I want to experience your love. So I want you right now to repeat this prayer after me. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, you can join me. Heavenly Father, I come before you a sinner needing a Savior. Lord, I thank you that I can have forgiveness because of what you have done on the cross for me. Thank you, Lord, that you love me. That there is no amount of sin that you will not forgive. So today I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord and believe in my heart that he has been risen from the dead and that my sins have been forgiven and that I can receive this eternal love this eternal life with him so today thank you Lord God I have received forgiveness and eternal life in Jesus name Amen, Amen can we give God a big hand? Praise God